Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcript can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What's up on a Friday? I'm Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes Podcast. We got a loaded Friday show for you. Colin Brister hops on. It is our Omaha preview. The Rebels open in the College World Series on Saturday night against Auburn. We got into the matchup. Ole Miss is going to see a pitcher they've never seen before. And Joseph Gonzalez did not pitch in the matchup uh, earlier in the year. What you can and can't take away from Ole Miss's series win earlier this year, spoiler alert, not a whole lot you can take away from it. Uh, each side of the bracket and a lot of different stuff as the Rebels will play their first College World Series game in eight years. So great conversation, great time of year. Um, buckle up, it's going to be an awesome show. Before we get to that, though, we have an announcement on the Rippy Rights Podcast. Big things happening here. We have a new sponsor joining the Rippy Rights Podcast family. It is MIMS Insurance. Matt MIMS is an insurance, independent insurance agent in Oxford. Ole Miss guy, longtime friend of mine. He wants to help out our listeners find the best insurance rate. Look, everything is expensive right now. Gas prices are rising. Groceries are, are expensive. Everything's expensive right now for a myriad of different reasons. When it comes to insurance, you need to save money. Why spend extra or you kind of wading into a field? Maybe you don't know what you're doing. You don't know where to look. Matt Mims is here to help you find the best insurance rate possible. Just give him a call at 601-218-7854. He will shop your insurance rate or quote through two, 10 different major insurance companies and find you the best deal. He just wants to help you find save as much money as possible. You really can't lose calling Matt Mims and Mims Insurance. I wouldn't refer you to people that I don't trust. Mims is a great guy. He's an old Miss God. He is a buddy of mine, and he will absolutely help keep money in your pocket. So do you have a boat, home and auto? Sick, sick brag. Do you have a boat? It's home and auto. Whatever it is, whatever you need insured, he is going to find it for you, and he is going to help you find the best rate possible. And he's based there in Oxford, but he'll hit you Meridian, Vicksburg, Brandon, Ocean Springs, everywhere in between, all over Mississippi. So finding a good insurance rate can be pretty overwhelming. All you got to do is call Matt Mims at 601-218-7854. That is his personal cell phone number. Not going to go to a voicemail, not going to get anything. He's going to answer, and he's going to help you out. Tell him I sent you. He'll get you hooked up. He wants to keep money in your pocket and let him handle the hard part for you. All you have to do is call him and save. Happy to have Mims and Mims Insurance and Matt Mims on board the Rippy Rights Podcast family. Again, check him out there. That number is 601-218-7854. Need anything insured, he'll get you hooked up. I'm really pumped to have Mims on board. Podcast is also brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, Glad you asked. So the world's best gambling handicapping website, the inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has helped propel Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. Need to check these guys out. Skybox has their College World Series package on the site right now. Maybe you're listening as the uh, early games have gotten unfolded on Friday. Don't miss out. Hit their College World Series package. They're crushing it in NASCAR right now. Football season is just around the corner. Got some baseball plays for you as well. Go online. If you're into gambling, you need to use Skybox Sports Picks. You don't want the bookie texting you on Sunday night, Monday morning, asking you to square up, adding to your scaries. You want to be texting the bookie, asking where your supplementary income is coming from. Guess who's going to help you do that more often than your own brain and anyone else in the industry? That's right, Skybox Sports Picks. When you do business with Skybox, 
it's an investment. You're going to make your money back and then some. They're going to have a picks package to fit your preferred sport and your preferred price range. You can try it for a month, try it for a week, try it for a day. I'd recommend just getting on the uh, Skybox all year, all access pass. It's going to pay for itself and then some because, again, Skybox is an investment. But check them out. Go find the picks package to hit, uh, that fits your price range. Use the promo code RIPPEE, R-I-P-P-E-E. Maybe get some merch too. But uh, that promo code will get you 20% off any purchase. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. And lastly, the podcast is brought to you by LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. You know, you know the drill. Go see Greg. If you're a Rippy Ride subscriber, it's rippyrides.substack.com. Type in your email. Get a free newsletter from me a couple of times a week writing the uh, Omaha preview right now. And discounted meats. Right now, it's a 16-ounce prime strip for 20 bucks and a $5 pack of sausage. That's one hell of a way to kickstart your grilling weekend. Just go in there, show Greg proof of subscription, and he'll get you set up. And then go find your own favorites. Oxford is so lucky to have a place like LB's. Greg wants to make your grilling experience great. Weather's warming up. It's prime grilling season. You need to go trust Greg and LB's to get you something great to throw on the grill. I like the tri-tip, filet burgers, all kinds of delicious cuts there, fresh sausages, seafood, delicious sides. I love the crab stuff, mushrooms, all kinds of great stuff there. If he doesn't have it, he will get it for you because Greg and LB's want to make your grilling experience great. Go check him out. LB's University Avenue there in Oxford. All right, here's Colin Brister on the Rebels draw and opening opponent in Omaha. All right, we now welcome on Rippy Wright's baseball correspondent, Colin Brister. We have done a lot of podcasts through the years. Mm -hmm. This is our first podcast talking about Ole Miss playing in the College World Series. This is a first. The Rebels, yeah, Albert at six o'clock on Saturday. Um, it's kind of weird. We've done this podcast every year since 2019, and so we've literally been one game away of, of doing this the last couple of years and never gotten to actually do it. It's a, it's a nice content gap bridge to football, if nothing else, but it's exciting in its own right, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you making the the trek to Nebraska? So I thought I had a kind of a crazy week at work. Uh, your boy is rationing vacation days because of the wedding <laughs> that we've discussed. So I could not make it work for this opening weekend, but I will tell you that if they make, if they go two and Oh, guess who's booking. Yeah, that, that's, that's me. That's me. I've decided at first it was like, Oh, if they go one and Oh, and now I've decided I'm going to wait and see if they go two and Oh, because Quite frankly, I think there is a possibility, I'm not predicting it, but I think there is a possibility that they uh, either play a game to go to the national title or go to the national title. I don't think this team's going to go 0-2 this week. I, I really, really don't. I don't believe that either with the way Dylan Delucia and Hunter Elliott have pitched really for the last two months of the season. And staying on, like, the topic of going, I'm not saying – like, I don't mean that in the sense that, like, I'm playing it smart. I, if I, I've never been to Omaha and I want to go, I, I literally just, like, was not capable of swinging it from this day job. Getting fired. Now. Yeah, exactly. Now, with that said, I, I, if they make it to the next weekend, I will go. And if it goes to a Monday, I might live stream my resignation. Um, if it comes to that. <laughs> I am signing from Greece Cells. Maybe we could do a two-minute pod, like a ten-minute podcast, you and I, and then you just listen in. I quit, and then you react. <laughs> Al Bryant will pay his July rent. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe we could call the uh, Mississippi Department of uh, Employment or Unemployment and beg you want to sponsor this, like. 
it's, it's a one-time deal. It's one podcast. It will last 20 minutes, but I'll get an ad read in before I quit. Um, so that's how I'm playing it. But I do have fr- a lot of friends going. There are going to be a, – spoiler alert. There are going to be a lot of Ole Miss people in Omaha. I'm sure you're the same way. I've talked to a lot of people who are either – in route as we record this on a Thursday night, already there or flying or driving in on Friday. Um, people are fired up. And I think that's, yeah. I mean, if that's the obvious part, but it's just so crazy to think about like the, the buzz around this baseball team, the buzz around us talking about the baseball team, everything that came together where a month and a half ago, this team was seven and 14. Well, two weeks ago, we were talking about if they don't make it out of the number six national seed regional, I guess we're going to have to fire up a hot board. Um, just insane. And, and we've said that over and over and over again, but it remains true. This is the most improbable thing that I have seen Ole Miss Athletics do in a long, long time. Um, and I don't think they're near done. Um, it's it's going to be an interesting week, and, and many people have alluded to this throughout the, throughout the week and since the field has been set. It is the most wide-open regional, uh, excuse me, College World Series field that, that I've seen in a long time. There's no prohibitive favorite. I mean, you look at kind of the advanced numbers or whatever as far as people – giving percentages to teams to win it. I mean, you see all of every team under like 20%. Um, I saw one that had Ole Miss as the favorite to win it. And, I'm, and, and like part of me was like, is that serious? And then I thought, I'm like, there's, yeah. I mean, uh, that, uh, of course they're serious. I mean, they're one of the eight teams winning or remaining. Of course they can win this. Um, it's going to be an interesting week. And uh, it gets started tomorrow afternoon with, I believe, Texas A&M at Oklahoma at one. And, uh, and we'll see from there. It is cool. I will say this. Um, I went in 14 and stayed out there the duration of Ole Miss's stay. Um, it will be cool tomorrow to turn the TV on at 1 o'clock and watch Texas A&M in Oklahoma and know that the uh, team I root for and my, my alma mater will be involved in that tournament later. Yes, that will be awesome. And I'm jealous of you being able to go in 14. And look, it's a bucket list sporting event. I've heard it from enough people. Um, hopefully it works out to where I'm able to get out there this year, but I'm definitely going to go – for, uh, before I depart this earth, hopefully. I don't think – I don't think it's going to be eight more years before Ole Miss goes back. Well, that's good. I, I do count on – I do plan on living eight more years um, <laughs> if it does come to that. But I think Ole Miss will be back sooner I, uh, as well. Um, but the, the, but you're talking about the Ole Miss – like the, 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 like I saw some of the betting odds and then I saw yeah. that two of the D1 baseball staffers, I think it was Fit and Etheridge, picked Ole Miss yeah. in the whole thing. And you're right. Shout out to Notre Dame. Because of them, there is no prohibitive favorite. And it's, as you described it, as wide open of um, Omaha Field as we've really had in years past. So, like, but you can't discount Ole Miss because oh. they have two top-of-the-line starters. They have as good and as deep of a bullpen as anyone in the tournament. Now, look, I'm not going to pretend to know the intricacies of Stanford and Notre Dame's bullpen all the way to the back end, but I I feel pretty confident saying that given what Ole Miss has at the back end in Brandon Johnson and the number of arms that they trust to get um, to Brandon Johnson in a game. So, and it's an offense that all along was supposed to be one of the best in the country, despite not living up to that for most of the year, but they finally are kind of doing some of the tougher things that good offenses do. And, you know, whatever you want to make of Ole Miss getting a favorable draw in the postseason bracket, they still had to beat Carson Palmquist. They had to beat two really good starters uh, for Southern Miss and Waldrop and Tanner Hall. And so, I, I mean, look, I, I don't think – why would you count out Ole Miss? Like, I, it's not the same as 14. Did you think that 2014 team could win the whole thing? I don't remember thinking that. Um, no. Well, let me put it like this. 
once they lost to Virginia, I knew they were done because they didn't have yes. the depth um, to get it done. No, I, I, that, that 2014 team, I will say this, it felt like more of a celebration that they had put 42 years of demons behind them and gotten to the College yes. World Series more than, hey, let's go win the national title. Did the thought run through my mind that hey, a team with Ellis and Trent could possibly do it? Sure. Um, but I don't think there was any, you know, expectation of this team going through through a bracket. And, and what you have to remember is this team, this bracket had freaking uh, TCU, um, Virginia, and Texas Tech, three really, really good teams. And look, th- th- this bracket's not bad by any stretch of imagination, but you've got a two seed in Arkansas. You've got the number 14 overall national seed in Auburn. Um, I believe that's right. Yeah. And then the two seed in Stanford, who's obviously a really good team. So it's not like the, the, the region is loaded for bear, if that makes sense, compared to what I think 14 was. I mean, sure. And if you just want to look at it, Ole Miss has played two of the other three teams on yeah. inside of the bracket. And look, I will get into this in a minute. I don't think you can take a ton away from an SEC open no. series, but Ole Miss did beat Auburn two out of three on the road. And I don't think anyone left Fayetteville, Arkansas, thinking Ole Miss couldn't beat or play with No, I think you Auburn. left Fayetteville, Arkansas, thinking, God, Ole Miss screwed that up. Yes, or how did they not sweep? <laughs> that yeah. was, I mean, we were talking about that on the podcast at the time. They were like, what, I don't know, two, three swings or two, three plays away from sweeping in Fayetteville. Yeah. So they already are very much familiar with two teams on the side of the bracket. And then I think they dodged a little bit of a bullet by not having to play Stanford and face their ace, right? Stanford is pitches the hell out of it. And they'll, if Ole Miss does end up playing Stanford, whether it's the winner of the loser's bracket or whatever, They'll face a pretty tough pitcher, but they kind of catch a break there, not catching them in the first game. It, it's a very reasonable path, and it's probably about as favorable as an Omaha draw well, you can absolutely ask for. I, got, I don't know what else would make things e- – I don't, I don't look at any part of Ole Miss's side of the bracket or much on the other side either and think, eh, they kind of got unfortunate there. I, I feel it to be very a fortunate draw. Well, I mean, I'm truly, you're going to play a team in Auburn that if you just looked at the two teams on paper um, – and you may disagree with me, but but I don't think you will. Almost is the better baseball team. Now Auburn Auburn is tough as crap, um, and they fight their tails off, and, and they will just want a super regional in Corvallis, Oregon. Um, and and that's more about how tough they are compared to how talented they are. But just from a talent perspective, I look at these two teams, and I'm like, if Ole Miss plays well, they'll win. And and if and if you're one and oh, you're one win from being in really really good shape to play for the national title. Uh, yeah, you absolutely are. I mean, look, so I've had to explain to a couple of people this week, like kind of how the bracket works. And I don't mean that condescendingly either, because honestly, all this hasn't been there in so long. After I explained it the first time, I was like, let me make sure. Well, and it's different this year as far as dates go. Yes, it is. Yes, it is different in that sense. And but it's basically two regionals paired off against. Yes. Other. So if you go two yes. and oh, you got a great shot of getting through your regional, which means you'll play for the national title series. But um. You're right. I mean, look, if you lose the first game, it's really tough sledding. If you win the first, lose the second, it's not impossible, but pretty tough sledding as well. But this is probably a pretty good transition into Auburn. You were talking about them a second ago. If you looked at Auburn statistics on paper, what no, no matter which one you want to pick, if you want to pick base level or something a little bit more advanced and you had no idea what their record is, you would think, yeah, I guess that team probably made the tournament. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, they're, they're seventh to eleventh in pretty much every single offensive and pitching category, except for walks allowed. Their pitching staff doesn't walk a lot of guys. They don't, 
and I don't mean – like you just said, they went and, and took a super regional in Corvallis, Oregon. This is not to – like this is not weakening the – like this is not an argument that Auburn is a weak opponent to start, to start the College World Series. They are a fascinating team because they are just tougher than hell with a really good closer – two really good arms to get to that closer. But outside of that, they, they really don't do a whole lot that jumps off the page on paper well. I mean, their rotation is probably ninth or tenth best in the SEC. Um, I mean, they pretty much stuck with it the whole year between Barnett, Bright, and then Mullins got hurt in the Tennessee series. And Gonzalez was in the mix too because Barnett got taken out for two weeks and then reinserted back in. Boy, being it's kind of been a – a four-person rotation throughout the year, and none of them have been great. And then the offense, I mean, you got Sonny Tanks to Shara, but outside of that, it's like, who do you fear in it? And, again, they are good. They are a good baseball team. I'm just – they're a fascinating team because literally nothing stands out on paper about what they do. You know, when you look at a team like that, right, when you talk about from a statistical perspective that they're not, you know, overly – worrisome is not the right word, but they're not overly elite at anything. But yet they continue to win baseball games. You know, you know what that's a result of? Uh, great coaching. <laughs> yeah, and great coaching and great culture, and, and they certainly have that. And um, Butch Thompson, for my money, and, and I've said this for a while, and some sometimes it was sarcastically, for my money, he's the best college baseball coach, one of the best college baseball coaches in the country. Um, and 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 you know that's that's why they continue to win baseball games. This is a guy that, that's taken Auburn to the College World Series. Um, two of the last three tournaments, which is insane to say out loud. Um, I, I, look, they, they're not elite at anything, but they're going to play extremely hard, um, which everyone does this time of year. But, but they, they're, it's just different. They don't – they keep coming, man. I mean, they lose that game, the heartbreaker on, on Sunday night to Oregon State when they really had a shot to, to push their way to Omaha. They won a game on Monday night with three hits. Three hits. In a, in a game three of a Super Regional, they figured out a way to win on the road against the number three national seed with three hits. Um, Starting a you, kid that they had pulled out of their rotation earlier in the year because yeah. he stunk for three weeks. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're, it's an elite coaching staff, especially when you consider Cade Gross and Tim Hudson. Tim Hudson is a volunteer coach. That'll play. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an elite coaching staff. And, and those guys just believe in each other. And but from a talent perspective, you look at it, it's just like, oh, this is the better baseball team. So I think if Ole Miss plays well um, on Saturday night, they will win the baseball game. And frankly, Ole Miss has played well for a month. So I don't really see them not playing well. I guess that what I am telling you is I think Ole Miss is going to win the baseball game on Saturday night. I think so as well. And some, in some ways, like a team like this in Auburn playing this late in the year, like the fact that nothing stood out on paper, and I primarily base that off of SEC-only statistics. I just – in terms of trying to evaluate a baseball team, I mostly go with conference-only statistics. Now, sure. granted, that can leave out some of the story, but I feel like that's the most accurate gauge just because non-conference opponents and strength of schedule vary so much. But that aside, like it really is kind of irrelevant at this point in the year. This type of team is almost – I don't even know if I want to say scarier, but this type of team would almost require your attention more this time of year um, or be more – like, in a way, they're more menacing because you know if you're in a one-run game with this team in the sixth inning, um, the, the 
the law of averages or the percentages are not in your favor because that's kind of how this team got here. They win tough games like this. And it's not to say Ole Miss will be in a 4-4 game or a 3-2 game or something in the six and not win it. I don't mean it in that sense. But, like, a team that kind of makes its hay on just trying to find a way to win games in June, particularly late June, is uh, one hell of a scary proposition, particularly getting them in game one when – you know, whatever you make of their pitching staff is completely rested. Like, I mean, look, if it's close, Ole Miss is probably going to see Blair Coulter. Um, They elected to go with Gonzalez. So I'll start there. What do you yeah. make of that? Um, two things. He's their best pitcher. Three things, actually. He's their best pitcher. Um, Ole Miss did not see him at Auburn, something that, that Ole Miss cannot say about Dylan Delucius. Auburn certainly saw him for four innings and had some success. Now that was out of the bullpen. That's a different story. And the third thing um, is he's a lot like like Hall um, from Southern Miss. They're not not as good. Um, throws throws a fastball real sink. Throws a real change up. Off speed pitch is okay. I don't. Or excuse me, the, the breaking ball is okay. I don't think it's his second best pitch by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I, but I think what he does um, as far as sinking the baseball and throwing a good change up is is over the course of the past five or six years, proven to be the most problematic thing for Ole Miss's offense. And, and I think that's just from a matchup perspective what they think is the best. Look, they, Ole Miss had a ton of success against Mason Barnett both times they faced him. They had a ton of success against Trace Bright both times they faced him in the past two years. Um, Gonzalez has not started against Ole Miss. It would, it would kind of defy logic, quite frankly, for them to run either Barnett or Bright out there against Ole Miss on Saturday night. Yeah, they announced Gonzalez, and I imagine there was some – there was probably a little bit of game – not gamesmanship, but that was probably part of the reason, right, that Ole Miss hadn't seen them. I think – I agree with you. I think he's probably, at this point in the year, probably their best pitcher. But if he was deciding between a Barnett and Gonzalez, don't you think that Butch was probably sitting there thinking, well, they haven't seen this guy yet, and Ole Miss had some – Ole Miss had success against Bright and Barnett when they played them in March – um, I, this is probably a good ca- uh, kickoff to the whole. I can't. I don't think you can take a ton away from the series in March. Take. I don't think sure. you can. But to refresh everyone's memory, Ole Miss saw Mason Bright, Mullins. I forget Mullins' first name. Or excuse me, Mason hey. Barnett, Mullins, and Bright in that order. Um, Mullins. I think Mullins would probably be starting against Ole Miss. He had a forearm injury. Whatever you want to read into that, it's one of the classics. Mm-hmm. I haven't announced it as Tommy John yet against Tennessee early in his start. I believe that was either late April or early May, and is unavailable for the rest of the postseason. He is not coming back. He was actually the only one. That was the night, whatever the blowout game Ole Miss lost in the middle. Friday night, yeah. He was the only one that had success against them, and it's probably not a coincidence that he throws the ball with his left hand. Ole Miss only scored one run off of him had two hits kids struck out four no struck out three and walked four Ole Miss left a lot small village on the base pass that night but didn't have a ton of success against him Ole Miss did have a lot of success against Barnett and Bright Gonzalez has been the guy that's come in the rotation and taken I say taking the place of Mullins but there was a stretch where Barnett was not very very good and then he only lasted an inning in a start against LSU. I thought this was yeah. fascinating he had a three-week stretch where he went he was their midweek guy for three weeks it was almost like he was grounded and then they put him immediately back in the rotation after that. And I don't believe that coincided with the Mullins injury. I could be wrong about that. I'll double check. So, but it's kind Gonzalez, of how that's played out. Yeah, Gonzalez missed the first three weeks of SEC play. I believe that is right with some blisters. Um, but, but he – I knew uh, – they always thought that kid would be in the rotation. And 
Um, if you look at his statistics, he, he's not a big strikeout guy. He's going to pitch to a lot of contact and then induce a lot of ground balls. That's what he does best. So Ole Miss is going to have to fight to get the ball in the air. And what's difficult a little bit in that part is you can fight to get it in the air, but you hit too many in the air and you're just going to fly out to left field a lot. So you got to kind of find a happy medium with that. Um, the best case is drive his pitch count out, put two or three runs up, Dylan Galusha pitch well, hang this off to the bullpen and let them do what they do. Um, I don't know what the over-under is in this game, but, but I, I think I like the under. Um, I think Galusha is going to pitch well, and I think Gonzalez is going to pitch well. Um, and I think Ole Miss is going to – I think it's going to come down to a battle of the bullpens, and as crazy as this sounds, because Auburn's bullpen is pretty good, um, I think Ole Miss wins that battle right now just because Ole Miss's bullpen has been flat-out elite. Well, yeah, their next earned run allowed will be the first one in the postseason. That'll probably play. <laughs> Um, but no, I agree with you too, because, and it's, it's probably, if you're looking for a reason to be confident through that lens, if you're an Ole Miss fan is the fact that Ole Miss just scored 15 runs in two games at a fairly cavernous ballpark, a lot of foul ground. I don't know the dimensions of Pete Taylor park off the top of my head, but they scored 15 runs against two pretty good starters and some bullpen arms over two days by hitting one and they only needed one home run to do it. And that was the TJ McCants home run after they were already up four to nothing in that game in which they clinched it. And so that type of offensive performance, similar to the tougher at bats they put together against Waldrop and Hall, they're going to need a lot of that against Gonzalez, because as you mentioned, it's a, it's a larger ballpark. This guy doesn't strike out a ton of guys. That's not similar to either Waldrop or Hall. Both of those guys had pretty good swing and miss stuff. Mm -hmm. But Ole Miss is going to need to move the baseball and move runners. Um, I, I don't think it can be the you know, feast or famine home run offense that you saw in March or April. I say that, and then Ole Miss is going to hit three nukes into the wind uh, on Saturday night <laughs> and win the game like 6-4 or something. But I, I think their performance in, uh, in Hattiesburg against that type of pitching and the way they scored those runs I think is an encouraging sign heading into this type of matchup against this type of pitcher in this ballpark. Yeah, I can buy that for sure. Um, you know, considering, like you said, they just faced Tanner Hall that kind of does the same thing. And Tanner Hall certainly, uh, I think, a more, more prolific pitcher um, than what Gonzalez is. But Gonzalez is good now. Um, so almost going to have to fight. It's Look, there's not a ton on this side of the bracket of overly good left-handed pitching. So Ole Miss has set itself up kind of well to, to get out of this because there's – well, frankly, there's two things. There's not a lot of elite pitching, and there's not a lot of left-handed pitching, which kind of really plays into Ole Miss's hands because those two things are um, the things that Ole Miss has struggled with. The, the top-end guys, the higher-end guys, and then left-handed pitching um, has kind of been the bugaboo for this team, and, and there's not a whole lot of it here. So um, I think this, this offense has a – chance to have a pretty good tournament um and man if if Delusha and Elliot continue to pitch like they do that, that they're gonna put themselves in the shot to maybe do something special I think so too and they're gonna have to uh, here's a here's a great take of why people listen to this podcast they're gonna have to play well on Saturday night thoughts um, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> but for a team that kind of has a knack for winning games late in games Ole Miss does not need to give Auburn anything and Honestly, I was somewhat prepared to come on here and tell the people that Auburn plays good defense and they don't beat themselves. That's not really true. They had the fifth worst fielding percentage in conference, but they just kind of finally find a way to win games late. It almost seems like they're either tied 
or leading late, and then they hand the ball to those two bullpen arms before you get to Burkhalter, and they just seemingly find a way. Um, this feels like a game that would it would be absolutely massive if Ole Miss could put up three, four runs in the first two innings because yeah. Auburn chasing the game from behind, given that Barn, uh, given that Gonzalez is not an overly dominant arm, would play into Ole Miss's hands a hell of a lot better than, I don't know, it being like I keep using the example, like 1-1 one, one entering the sixth and it's a battle of the bullpens. While I would probably give the upper hand to Ole Miss's pin, Auburn just simply wins more of those type of games than Ole Miss, and there's not really even a single metric to back it up. Nothing they do would back that up metric-wise, but, I mean, shit, they're in Omaha. They're here. Yeah. Um, no, it's – look, it's two really good baseball teams. So, if, if one doesn't play well, uh, the other one's going to win. Um, and the thing is, too, like Auburn, yes, they were here three years ago. I don't know – outside of maybe Case and Howell, I don't know how much experience is left on that team. Um, but I don't really think the environment, um, just from, you know, the big light standpoint is going to get to Ole Miss. Um, some teams in Omaha, it does. I don't really think this one cares too much about the, the, I mean, the spotlight and, and that type of thing. So I think, frankly, both teams are going to play well. Um, this team has played well defensively. Um, they've played well from a situational hitting standpoint lately. And like I said, I think Ole Miss is the better baseball team. If Ole Miss plays well, I think the Rebels are going to win. Um, if they don't play well, then they'll find themselves in a loser's bracket game on, at 1 o'clock on Monday afternoon. And with the, I, I think people listening don't – like. I don't think we need to tell the most of our listeners this, but like, if you lose the first game, uh, your chances of winning the entire thing it, it almost go in the can. Um, it's not completely it's tough. But it, it's, it's real tough. And, look, Ole Miss does have some decent bullpen depth and probably more than they did in 2014. But, man, like getting, getting off to a good start in this type of setup is, is absolutely massive. I mean, look, you win the first two games, you're really in the driver's seat, but you definitely need to win the first one. Auburn offensively, uh, you remember when we saw Sonny DeShera? And you're like, oh, yeah. this is that kid that hit a bunch. He hit a ton at Sanford the year before. He'd had a pretty good non-conference slate. And then I was like, actually, I could see that kid having a pretty good year. Like, I think this – like, something <laughs> about the swing, something about the way he saw pitches. It was like, okay, no, this this kid's going to be a problem. And guess what? He absolutely was. Uh, could I interest you in a 12 uh, – 1,272 uh, OPS in SEC play with 11 tanks he hit 330, yeah. and he drew 41 walks. That that'll yeah. Not, see, none of those numbers matter to me if, if I'm coaching the Rebels because every time he comes up to the plate, I just win it first. Yep, yeah, just go over it first. I'm not dealing with you. <laughs> I'll deal with somebody else. And frankly, if I was Albert, I'd do the same thing with Elko. I'll just go to first. I'm, I, ain't, I ain't screwing with you. He's hitting 22 home runs on the season. That's uh, all games, obviously, not just conference games. <laughs> the next closest on their team is nine. I'll deal with that guy. I would probably do that as well. I, I, look, it seems kind of futile to go through Auburn offensively. I mean, look, they got a couple of guys. That's fine. Yeah, Blake Rambush, pretty good hitter. He's good. A decent amount yeah. of walks. He doesn't strike out. Foster's good. Yeah, uh, the Brooks kid is pretty good as well. Um, and, you know, it's outside of that, it's it's just whatever. They score enough runs to give themselves a chance. Like, I don't really know another way to say it. It's it, it's a fascinating team. Um, you know, Ole Miss, it, it, it would probably be more comfortable to watch Sonny to share if, if he wasn't playing Ole Miss in the opener. But that yeah. guy, 
is going to dominate beer league softball for decades to come. The 2030s and 2060s, he's going to absolutely murder people in beer league softball. So all you in the corporate world, watch out, hire this guy. He will win your corporate league softball game. But it's kind of nuts. He's a great hitter, but man, talk about physique. Yeah. So what's crazy about that? I mean, you talk about physique and whatnot, but he's still a highly rated prospect as far as the draft goes. Like he's a second or third round guy, which means scouts look at him like that can play in the major leagues. Um, and look, my opinion means little from that realm, but I kind of agree with him. Like he, he he's not the guy. You know, usually you look at guys like that, and it's like ah, oh, they 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 can feast on non-conference pitching when the velo's not up. But the, you start throwing ninety four, ninety five at him, and he struggles. Not the case here. Um, you you throw ninety five at him Saturday night, he's gonna hit it. He's gonna hit it. The Council Bluffs, Iowa. Um, he's so, drawn more walks than strikeouts too. That's that's he's not he's not um, he's a disciplined hitter. So uh, there's real thought that this kid can play in the major leagues. I think I sort of agree with it. And that's a hard to do without a position, right? Like you really got to hit a ton. Everyone likes to use the Kyle Schwarber example, but I mean Schwarber swings and misses at a higher clip than yeah. that too. I mean I kind of agree. Well, would he just stick the kid at first base? Yeah, I mean he's not awful defensively. Obviously, range is limited a little bit, but. No, he's not awful defensively. And if he's just going to – I mean, well, frankly, everybody gets the D8s now. You just put him there if he's going to hit like this. Does he smoke cigs? I hope he smokes cigs. He looks like – like that would just make the character. I, I don't know, but supposedly he is like the nicest human being on the planet. I heard – I was listening to a Butch Thompson interview the other day, and it's like – and Butch was talking about how um, when everybody gets to first base, like by the time they leave first base, they – that Sonny knows their life story to the point that they have to sometimes yell out, hey, Sonny, could you pay attention? Uh, so apparently he's the nicest human being on the planet. I don't know if I like that. <laughs> you know to be me. Yeah, I'd rather him have, like, I don't know, just be like, hey, buddy, up yours. Start a couple <laughs> fights. So wait, when, when, when Tim Hoko gets to first base on Saturday night, do we have, like, the epitome of the nicest two people in, like, the Omaha area? Yeah, probably. I, that's a that, that's a huge pro, that's a huge red flag in my book. I'd like for them to fight each other. Just be like, hey, your mustache sucks, and uh, I don't think it's that hard to hit tanks on one knee, and then just let them fight. Meanwhile, they're actually just going to go solve world hunger. Yeah, uh, they'd be model citizens, but that's just not what I want out of uh, entertainment. But <laughs> so I mean, look, there's there's one guy you really got to worry about, and that's the thing that makes me kind of tip like. I think Ole Miss is going to win on Saturday. And honestly, the thing that makes me think that as well is just if you can get around Deshera, and I know they had some success against Dylan DeLucia the first time they played them. But again, yeah. March series out of the bullpen, totally different baseball team. I just I, – I, I think Ole Miss's pitching staff, particularly DeLucia and Elliott and the couple of bullpen arms that we mentioned, have really proven to not beat themselves. Um, Elliott's yeah. really the only one that's flirted with it a ton – I, but he's somehow he's a magician. He slips out of walks. And so I don't think Dylan DeLucia, particularly in that ballpark, is going to beat himself. And so if you can somehow navigate your uh, your way around Deshera and not allow him to hit two tanks and drive in four runs on his own, the rest of the lineup is fairly manageable. And that's what I think really plays in the Ole Miss hands to where if they can just you know, put together two, three good innings early in the game, against Gonzalez it's kind of hold on for dear life and I like their chances probably more so than any other team in the tournament to preserve the lead from the fifth inning on 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of the best bullpens in the country at this point because um, there are only eight teams playing in the country, and I'll take them over just about anyone in this tournament field. Um, yeah, no, I, I think we're both in agreement. I think Ole Miss is going to win on Saturday night. Um, and I think they're – if I'm predicting, I think they're going to play Stanford in a winner's bracket game on Monday night. Who would they face? Because to uh, Arkansas announced no one, so I would assume that would mean Ole Miss would face Wiggins if Arkansas won an Ole Miss. Uh, no, they've been throwing McIntyre game two. They did that on against Ole Miss, except it was someone other than McIntyre, right? Through Hagen Smith, they threw a lefty. That's right. I forget yeah. that kid's name. Um, do you know who they would face if it was Stanford? Stanford, shockingly, Pac-12 out there gets no baseball coverage. I had trouble finding trying to guess who they would start. Yeah. They're going to start – I would assume Stanford just does the normal thing, throws their Friday guy against Arkansas, which would be Alex Williams. Past that, it's a, it's a mixed bag. Like, they have, they have a really good reliever, um, and sometimes they start him and sometimes they don't. So, don't really know. Um, I think Stanford's really, really good. Uh, some people disagree with me. They didn't play well against UConn. Uh, I'm, I'm willing to grant that, but I, I think Stanford is really, really, really good. Um, and and I think that Alex Williams from Stanford will beat Arkansas on Saturday afternoon. And if Ole Miss is the win, I think that's going to set up a, a winner's bracket game with him and Stanford, which isn't the worst matchup in the world for Ole Miss. Um, but we'll see. I think a team that gets it – so you're right about Stanford. I was kind of going with the – I know during the regional and super regional plays, like is this another one of those Pac-12 teams that pitches the hell out of it but it's kind of fraudulent? Their offense carried them through the regional and the super yeah, they regional. Hit. Because yeah. they – Their they starting won. right fielder is uh, from Jackson, by the way. Stanford's? Yes. Brandon Montgomery played at Madison Central, I believe. Wow. Okay. Freshman. Hell yeah. yeah. Just Mississippi ruling the world. I wish he'd gone to <laughs> private school, but whatever. Um <laughs> Madison Central was close enough, though, isn't it? That kid's got to be. I'm, I'm yeah, kidding. I mean, look, the big O, city of bricks. I, I get it. Um, <laughs> that uh, <laughs> that kid's got to be a genius, then, right? Yeah, he pitches too, which is kind of why he pitched in their regional. Um, he actually was the one, if I'm not mistaken, he gave up the run in the night to Texas State um, that, that put him behind when they had to come back on Monday night. So he pitches and plays outfield for them. So stellar athlete for sure. How about that? I didn't watch that game, and I had no idea that that was a fellow uh, Jacksonian. So, good for him. But to their offense, though, really carried them through that regional yeah. because they lose the winner's bracket game in the regional to Texas State and kind of had to bash their way through it. And, look, that that winner-take-all game was far from a slugfest, but they get down 3-1 to one in the ninth inning, and then they hit back-to-back home runs on back-to-back pitches to tie it and then win it in the ninth. And then they kind of – they lost they, – they got down super early to UConn. UConn held on, and then they just scored way too many runs for UConn to have a prayer in that super regional. I think the way if Ole Miss were to beat Auburn and they do face the Stanford, right, we're projecting a lot out here, but that's kind of what talking sure. forward in this tournament. It's kind of how you got to do it. I do think the the this Hunter Elliott development is what would really yeah. give me confidence if I'm Ole Miss is – I mean, I'm not about to start declaring things like Hunter Day or whatever – but, like, this team is probably more confident in itself. And this is not a knock on Delusia with the way Hunter Elliott's pitched in game twos than it is game ones now. He's kind of become this Doug like character in terms of, and Delusia had it too when the pitching staff was really struggling and um, he, get, he stabilized them a bit. That's now kind of shifted to how they play behind Hunter Elliott. And that doesn't mean they're lethargic or anything behind Delusia, but 
mean, the way they played, particularly defensively behind Hunter Elliott um, in that game two in Hattiesburg, is kind of the epitome of what I'm talking about. So no matter who's on the other side, I'm kind of to the point to where I think Ole Miss has one hell of a chance to win the game as yeah. long as Hidden Sleeves is taking the ball. So, so um, you asked about in 2014, and I do remember this. Um, someone asked me before, it was like, hey, do you think they have a chance to win a national title? And my response was, if they beat Virginia, Christian Trent's not losing. Yep. So, um, yeah, I think they got a shot. If they beat Auburn, Hunter Elliott's not losing. So, yeah, I think they got a shot. Uh, I think they're going to beat Auburn. So, yeah, like you said, the kid in long sleeves is giving up what? One earned run um, in what? 12.1 postseason innings. Um, yeah, I mean, he's really, really good. And look, I mean, Dylan Belushi is special and, and, and has done it a little bit longer than Elliot has from a consistency standpoint. But just from, from a performance standpoint, I mean, it's two weeks in a row um, where Elliot's been dang near unhittable. Um, so, like I said, if, if Ole Miss is to able to win on Saturday, that kid takes the ball on Monday night, I'm just – yeah, Ole Miss is going to win. Till, till, till that doesn't happen, when Hunter Elliott pitches, I'm just going to assume Ole Miss will win the baseball game because that's what they usually do. Beyond, I mean, the, Christ is – Arkansas is the last game he lost when they played. He pitched. Yes, and if you – if anyone remembers watching that game, that was uh, no fault to his own. <laughs> no. <laughs> It was not in the slightest. Beyond the obvious benefits of going two and zero, of you know, breaking news here: if you go two and zero, you got a better shot than if you don't. But with the way the format is, they all get the day off on Sunday, right? And so, mm-hmm. if you go two and zero, you're not going to have to play again until Wednesday. And so, we talked about the third starter thing, and that probably, if if it got to this point, we're projecting pretty far outward yeah. here. Yeah. We talked about the third starter and Ole Miss not really having to address that. To get to a national title series, you I, must have you one. Go to an O, you won't have to address that, right? Um, uh, yeah, because, I mean, are you going to run Delusia back out there on Wednesday with three days rest? I mean, what what indication I, – I, I, this is more rhetorical than anything. What All indication right. is what Bianca's done giving you that he would do anything other than that? Well, not, not necessarily that. Um, but let's discuss strategy for a second. If you do that, you would – is he available on Saturday or Sunday for the national title series if you throw him twice in that, that realm? And you have to get beaten twice. So, I guess my mindset is like, hey, try to get through that game without having to burn your ace on three days rest and maybe he's not good to go for the title series. And then if you lose it, you could run it back out there in that if necessary game. I guess that's just from a strategic standpoint that kind of how I would approach it. That's a great point, and I'm glad you went there because it really does become a bit of a strate- – like it's a very – I won't call it a quandary because, one, it's a good problem to have, and I'm not sure it's yeah. a great problem. But it's it that is a fascinating way to look at it because, one, you do have to get beat twice. But is there – with the way they've used Delusia this year, clearly, let's just say we're playing it out. Ole Miss goes 2-0. Elliott throws on Monday. If you lose Del- if you use Delusia on Wednesday, I, I'm pretty sure you can bring back Hunter Elliott on Saturday without much issue. Sure, yeah. Would you have much issue with uh, Delusia going Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday? That Sunday, well, the last one being game two of a potential national title series. I think at that point, you're, you're tempting fate with how good his stuff's going to be. Right, um, because we've seen I'll, that twice this year, not only with Delusia, but with other arms as well. That third start in that nine, ten-day range is pretty flat. Yeah. I don't 
I'll say this. I do not expect Dylan Belushi will start on Saturday against Auburn. Um, outside of something bizarre happening there where he kind of gets roughed up or something and has to get off the mound early, I do not expect that he will be available again until Thursday. Um, yeah, I, I think that's where I'm at. I, I, would, I would expect that if Ole Miss played a game on Thursday, because if you're playing on Thursday, that means you win it, you go to the national title, you lose it, you go home. I would expect Dylan Delusia to take the ball if it came to that. Outside of that, I do not expect him to pitch um, before Thursday um, in this College World Series. And obviously, if you could get through it without, you know, uh, losing and without him going again, he would start the uh, game one of the title series. Um, but, you know, obviously a long way off before that. Sure, but it's – it's. I mean, look, the, the obvious side here is if you lose game one or game two, then it's just all hands on deck. And yeah. So, but, out. let's discuss this. Let's let's give them two enough. Okay? Just – because it doesn't matter. I mean, you could go one and one, but whatever. I'm going to be in a good mood, and I'm going to say two and a. And let's say it's not dilution. Who do you think it is? Because I think I'm. I think I know who it is. But but I'll I'll ask you ask you first. Who do you think it is? I guess it would technically somewhat depend on the matchup, but I would probably, without knowing what the splits are, left handed and right handed, would lean Jack Washburn. That's where I'm at. Just because Jack has real spin on his fastball, which induces a lot of fly balls, which I think plays in that park. So. Um, I think if there is a third game, well, and I think there will be a third game. Um, I think Jack Washburn starts it. So uh, I don't think it was nothing that they listed TBD for the uh, game three of the Super Bridge. Oh, you can't run. No, I, I mean, look, I know we haven't had to address it yet, and you're right, the ship hasn't sailed. But you, you I mean, look, you're in Omaha, Nebraska, and at that point, you're either one win away from a national title series or you're fighting to be one win away from a national title series or you're somewhere or your season's on the line. You get my point. Yeah. Can you run that kit there, Diamond, who we're talking about for anyone confused? You can't run him out there and start a game. Well, you could if you manage it right, but there's it won't get ma- It won't get managed right. And in a larger ballpark, don't you think he's going to be more inclined to be like, okay, I can steal another out because like, – and I'm not saying that's a, a, a the the right strategy, right? Because a, a, a many of these that Diamond has given up when Mike has tried to uh, Mike has tried to you know steal an extra out of him. I don't know any park that would hold that other than maybe like Yellowstone or Yosemite or something. But well, like, I did appreciate, and, and I mean this genuinely. Mike defends his kids heavily, like to the point that he's almost paranoid sometimes. Someone asked. Um, about Diamond when when they were at Miami and, you know, they, they'd won and he'd come back. They had asked about Diamond going through the second time. And Mike was like, you know, he, he takes a lot of heat, but when he leaves the mound, we're in the ball game. That That's what his job is. And it's like, well, Mike, it, he'd given up five and 3.1 innings. You had just scored five. Um, you know, so, I, yeah, Derek, Derek, look, none of this is Derek's fault. I think um, – I don't think he's completely healthy, and I think, you know, um, he's pitching his heart out. But it's just kind of – I don't – I guess my read on it was I don't think that the TBD uh, was nothing when they went to Hattiesburg. And I don't – just personally, um, very little insight here, but I don't think he would have started game three in Hattiesburg. I don't either. I mean, we were, I think we were both on the same page on that. We were talking about that and playing out hypotheticals last week. Um, I don't either. I just – no, there is a role for him. It, if he can yeah. come in with clean base pass and give you two innings of middle relief where he doesn't have to see the lineup again, he is. I'm just wondering – I'm curious if Bianco is willing to do that. Um, and, look, I, that's not 
I don't mean that in a skeptical way either, because as we mentioned ad nauseum on this show, they all like Bianco doesn't adapt and he's rigid. It's just not really valid anymore. That's just not the case. I mean, unless you like woke up from a coma from 2016 on, it's just not really how he rolls anymore. But I just think it's tempting fate and kind of tempting your own tendencies or whatever you want to call it. If, if you do go with diamond there, so I don't think it'll be Diamond as well. I think it'll be Washburn. I think there's a chance if they have not used Gaddis in whatever team they're playing, if there's some absurd left-handed split type thing, they'd probably go with Gaddis maybe. Because um, I think that would play to some degree in that park as well. Um, but I, I don't think it would be that way either. You brought up an interesting hypothetical uh, a second ago. I wrote it down. So before we get to that, let's just say Ole Miss goes 2-0. and and then they lose the Wednesday game, and it's Delusia, which would be clearly the case for the Thursday game, the winner, winner take all in the sense of it being the bracket regional final to play for the national title. If that is Delusia and Ole Miss were to win that game, so you follow me there, mm-hmm. would you see Delusia again? Yes, you would see – well, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You would see him on three days rest if they got to game three, I think. I think, I, think that's, I think so too. Um, yeah, I think that would be the answer. Um, so in that case, yeah. that would be Elliot. Whoever's would be available. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, that would be. Uh, but th- I think that helps. And look, I don't necessarily. I'm not necessarily advocating for like someone like Mallets to start a game, but that that helps like having a Mallets or a Doherty, or I guess if you had yeah. to do a Diamond or having a Gaddis somewhat available, that's what helps about the bullpen depth is that you're not playing every day in um, Omaha. And so, like, not having a rested bullpen is not necessarily a factor. You're pretty much going to have what the equivalent of an almost fully rested bullpen pretty much any time. Now, this Wednesday-Thursday turnaround, if Ole Miss went 2-0, lost the Wednesday game and played the Thursday game, would be the closest thing to not having it. But, like, you don't have to worry about bullpen rest like you would in a regional. And availability is not as big a deal. And, look, I'm not – this is this hypothetical is way too far out in terms of talking about game two of a national title series. But do you remember who started the uh, Sunday game at Auburn earlier this year? That would be one Jack Doherty. He went five innings and allowed two runs. Yeah, it's fine. Um, I mean, that's all you would need in that scenario and then just figure sure. that out. Yeah, I guess the thing you, know, you made a good point. Um, they've got a lot of guys that have started games, um, you know. So and and it's and on one hand that's not a good thing because that means if you had a lot of guys start games, it means some of them didn't work out as a starter. But on the other hand, they have experience doing it. So certainly, a, certainly a positive there. If you were, it'll fall into the losers bracket. Look, some people will do this thing where it's like, oh, they have to go two and zero, uh, and if they don't go two and zero, they're screwed. Look. If you don't go two and zero, it's tough. But Olmos's bullpen's good enough to make it interesting, and it's spaced out enough that if you can bring Delusia back, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, if you went one and one, and you looked up on Thursday, and they're playing to go to the national title series, um, I don't think you look. I think it would be much much easier, obviously, from mathematical and just logical sense. They went two and zero, but. If they go one and one, I'm not ready to concede the season yet either just because they have enough in the bullpen to make it okay. Now, where that gets screwy is like, yeah, you got enough to get to the national title series. I don't know what in the world you do when you got there, though. No, but that that's almost like something you can't worry about, right? I mean, look, yeah, exactly. And figure it out. 
Um, I was about to make a Wes Burton joke. Maybe you throw him out there, but he's actually appears to be in Cape Cod. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't mean that meanly either, but then you get the point. Like it's just like if that happens and you get there, you just regroup and say, all right, how do we figure this out? Because at the same time, you don't know who got there from the other side and how, you know what I sure. mean? And maybe they went the same road. Yeah. Like you, you don't know. And as wide open as a tournament as this is, who the hell knows what's going to happen. Um, that might be a good way to segue for a second. I think we covered about all the old Miss side we could. Uh, the other side of the bracket, like, what do you, what do you make of it? I haven't spent a ton of time thinking about it, but just for the listeners out there, if you don't have a bracket handy, you're going to get A&M and Oklahoma at 1 p.m. on Friday. So that may be going on, finished, about to start by the time most of you are listening to this podcast. And then the 6 p.m. game is Texas and Notre Dame. Do you have a lean on who you think comes out of this side of the bracket? Um, and just your thoughts on those two games. I think Texas wins this bracket with a three and zero record. Um, I think Texas is the best team in this field, quite frankly. I mean, they, they, they were talking about the team that's preseason number one. Um, they hit one through nine. Um, Pete Hansen's a dude. Um, they've got it a good number two. The, their question is bullpen depth, obviously. Um, but I think they hit it well enough and Omaha spaced out enough that it'll be okay. Um, I just think Texas is the best team. And, and I think they're getting a little bit of a break um, that they're not going to see uh, Barrett from Oklahoma like a and going to have to deal with. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, if, if, if I'm picking, I think Texas wins this side of the bracket um, and plays for the national title. I think they're, they're the best team for me. People on the message board got mad that I agree with you too much, but I, I can't really help it here. My pick was Texas as well. It's not nearly uh, – I don't have a ton of confidence in that just from the standpoint of this to me. I won't say the more fascinating side, but it, don't you think this is definitely the harder side? You've got A&M, who down the stretch oh, yeah. a lot of teams in the country. Uh, Oklahoma, who kind of got – felt like, they felt like they got screwed out of being a host, just kind of tears through it. They go to Blacksburg and win a Super Bowl. And then the other team is Notre Dame, who knocked out Tennessee versus – and then the last one is, is who you and I actually both think is the best team in Texas. That – I mean, that's probably all the evidence you need to have in terms of Ole Miss kind of catching a break in terms of the draw. I think that side of the bracket is much harder. That's going to be, one, a lot of entertaining baseball, I think. I think Texas comes out of it. But not if none of the four teams coming out of it would overly stun me. And I guess in a way you could say that about the side, uh, Ole Miss's side of the bracket as well. But, like, I, I, I have a slight lean to Texas, but, like, how can you count out a team that went to Knoxville and won two out of three? And then the other yeah. two options are Oklahoma and A&M. You know what I mean? That that feels like a scarier side of it. Swap oh, I would I would much rather be on the side Ole Miss at all. Swap old Oklahoma and Ole Miss, and we're probably feeling a hell of a lot different about Ole Miss's chance yes. to get through the side of the bracket, right? Yes, very much so. Um, yeah, I think I think this this is obviously the, the more talented side. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, I look, I think Texas is going to win it, but, I mean, I think all four of those teams have a real shot to do so. Um, whereas, if I'm honest, um, I, don't, I, don't really think, I don't really think Auburn can win this side of the bracket. I'm being entirely honest. I don't necessarily think Arkansas can win this side of the bracket either. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think all four of the teams on that side could win it. Um, I just think Texas is the best team. It's uh, it talk yeah. I mean, look, I don't know what else to say. It's it's wide open and it's going to be fascinating. Um, Ole Miss is at 
six o'clock Saturday night. Just want to make sure I had that correct out there uh, for the people. Maybe some of you are listening to this going to Omaha. I'm kind of jealous of uh, all the people going out there, but it uh, should be a great atmosphere. Just some coaching news real quick. Just uh, what did you make of uh, Backage going to Clemson? Yeah, I thought that might be a spot where uh, Godwin could land. Um, it's good. I think, I think he was in the I think that's one way to put it. Um, I think Bakits is one of or Bakits is one of the best coaches in the country from a developmental standpoint. It'll be interesting to see how well he recruits there. Um, but but as far as conducting a team and um, having them well coached, I think he's very very good at that. Did you see that picture from O two where it was Leggett? I did. The assistant coaches were what? Um, Bakich, Tim o- Corbin, and O'Sullivan. Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> yeah. That's a, uh, it's also a cast of characters there too. Um, yeah. That's uh, but yeah, I thought that was some interesting news. I haven't, there haven't been a ton of like major high profile baseball college coaching news last year. I, this year, like last year you had LSU open up and then is O'Sullivan going to go and that whole deal. I felt like there was more than Sloshnagel leaves for A&M. Like there was some more high profile news um, last year. He didn't have a ton of that this year but right. I think we'll do well we didn't talk about the cliff ECU thing that was probably a for, like probably going to happen when we recorded on Sunday but it you know they were still in the rain delay and then it got worse yeah. did you watch any of, I watched some clips of his press conference after that to me looked like a broken dude who really yeah. wants to get his team his alma mater to um, and after uh, that one with that team how hot they got how all they overcome that looked like a guy that was searching for is this ever going to happen yeah, I think it was two things. Um, yes, it was that a guy that had lost his four straight or four super regional in six years, um, which is tough. It was a guy that desperately wants to get his alma mater to the College World Series. And if I'm honest, I think it was a guy that thought he might get the Clemson job at that point in time, and that he he was not going to see this program get to Omaha under his watch. Now it looks like he will return to East Carolina. I mean, I don't really see him um, in play for any other jobs that are opening unless you know something wild happens. Um, but you know, he kind of just looked like a guy that, that it looked like a guy that thought maybe his time was running short at East Carolina, but, um, with the way things played out over the, the last few days, it looks like he, he will have at least another year there. Um, and you know, the thing with college baseball coaching is like Cliff Godwin is not going to be upset that he is at his alma mater for another year. Like there are some guys in college football that if they don't get that big job or whatever, they're, they're kind of disappointed or whatever. I think in college baseball, guys are genuinely okay at being places where they're revered and, and can have a program like Godwin has at East Carolina. Not to stoke the coals overly too much, but the football thing you referenced, I think one of them might coach at Ole Miss. Um, <laughs> I didn't say that. I want to be very clear. I did not say that. I mean, look, after that last coaching cycle, I don't know how you can't not think that. I'm not saying Lane's dying to leave Ole Miss. Please don't go off to uh, the boards and just go nuts about that. But, I mean, look, I don't think it's totally the uh, fault of big media that uh, Kiffin was rumored for almost every opening that happened to be high profile this past offseason. But, anyway, that was talking football. Um, Do we make – I mean, we're going to do another podcast. I guess we don't make picks – I mean, we could oh, pick I, uh we could pick uh, the bracket and, and decide who we think is going to make the national title series. All right, let's go through the first games and see how it goes. Uh, okay. Texas A&M, Oklahoma tomorrow. Oklahoma. I'll go. I'll go A and M, and then we're both picking Texas, right? Yes. Yeah. 
Stanford, Arkansas. Stanford. I'm going to go Arkansas. And then okay. Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss wins too. I do too. I, do too. Mm. So that I don't know what else to Notre- pick out of this. Um, just because, like, I don't want to necessarily make the bracket two picks, which is what Ole Miss is in. Then we all literally both just pick Texas to come out. So we'll go TBD on the rest of the picks. <laughs> um, <laughs> did we miss anything else? I, uh, I, 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 have a, I have a serious knee issue going on. Do you? I played pickleball on Wednesday night for the first time ever. Have you ever played that? I have not. Do you know what it is? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so it's like, it's like a, a combination of like tennis, ping pong, badminton type deal. Very fun sure. game. First time I'd ever played it. But uh, I think I'm getting past my prime because uh, I woke up <laughs> this morning and like I my, one of my knees sore. was just – Yeah, I mean, sore would describe it. I felt like I got shot. Um and I, everyone, anyone over the age of like 30 listening to this is just going to roll their eyes and get a load of this asshole. But I'm just telling you, five years ago, I could do intramurals twice a week and not feel a thing. And now I played pickleball for an hour and a half. And I got to the uh, my coffee out of the kitchen this morning. I was like, am I going to be able to make it to work? So I don't know what's going on there, but I'm just telling well, you, we're, we're on a downward spiral from uh, – Yeah, so, so I can go there too. If we're talking about physical ailments, we had basketball camp this week, and I slept in what was the equivalent of a dorm bed. You remember how, like, when you, you moved into a dorm and you were 18, and it's like, ah, this is fine. And That's a no-go now, these days. Huge no-go. Yeah. No, 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 no. Can't do that anymore. So, I woke up on Wednesday morning. I'm like, I'm going to die today. Yeah. I've had a couple of situations like this over the last year and a half, whether it be, like, a bachelor trip or a vacation or a wedding or something. The – Sleep on the ground for a night or two. It'll be fine. No, it won't. Um, If you get the wrong couch, no, it won't. We're talking serious back issues over here. I'm now to the point now to where – so I I had a little bit of neck pain a while back from, like, sleeping wrong, and I got a Tempur-Pedic pillow. I am now – I'm not going to be that guy yet. I'm holding out for another year. I don't know what age you're allowed to do this. But if I don't have, like, my specific pillow, I'm worried about how I'm going to feel in the morning. (laughs) I don't know what – I don't know if that's a great place to be, but I'm just being completely honest. And again, I don't know if there's a more hated human on earth than the guys in their late twenties. They just pillow. Yeah, or that they're talking about they're getting old. Where like the dudes that are thirties and forties are like, can you can you believe these guys? I'm just telling you, it's my reality. I'm speaking my truth. My neck hurts and my back hurts and my knee hurts way more often than it used to. So get mad yeah, at me all you want. Say I don't know what I'm talking about. You come look at this knee, pal. That's my thing. Like, I walk outside and like go go with go practice baseball or whatever with our kids, and it's like this cannot be the same heat that I played baseball ten games a day growing up in. This is not the same heat. I cannot be convinced that it is. I swear to God, it's eighty five degrees hotter than it was twelve years ago. I walked down the street the other day to like this little neighborhood bar that MC and I always go to, like right down the street from my house this past weekend, and it was like one hundred five with like a heat index like one hundred nine or something. And I was like, man, if I had taken an edible or something, I think I could have convinced myself I'm living in a microwave. I was like, am I just a huge wussy or is this heat different? <laughs> like, I'm the same way. I was like, we used to do like two-a-days and basketball conditioning and stuff like that out here. No shot. Like, how is this safe? Um, so <laughs> That's a good way to put it. How was this safe? Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, think about it in our parents' generation where, you know, water was for wussies or whatever. Yeah. That's just my favorite thing was they they played that super regional and they took like a thermometer and put it out there and it was 140 on the field. I, I was just like, I have a question. 
How? Yeah. How is this physically possible? Yeah, how are we allowed to do this? And, you know, years ago, you have these coaches talking about how back in their day, these kids were tougher. And it's like, you know, our people, our parents' age being like, damn, a couple hours till we get another water break. It's 110 out here. Just, I mean, I feel like that would be like considered Navy SEAL training these days compared to what, like, the standards are now for what's okay and what's not. So, yeah, I don't know. I'll probably be okay. But I was, like, walking into work today, and someone that, like, that I'd work next to was like, you good? I was like, why? You're kind of limping. I was like, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. I played pickleball, which is not a contact sport, not a sport where you have to run a lot. Did you win? Uh, yeah, no. So it was, it, we were playing with a group of other first timers. I won more than I lost. We played like four games. I think I went three and one. Not that any. There you go. Yeah. I, look, anything that's not contact and all it requires a little bit of hand eye, I'm decent at. Just the, if we'd have played another set, the knees might not have held up. But I was at work today. I was like, yeah, before you think about giving me the what for in this morning agenda meeting, just know that I'm handicapped. I have one leg right now. So. That has been uh, talking old age with a couple of guys in their late 20s. I'm sure that will go for well. <laughs> this has been Colin Brister. I appreciate the time, as always, my man. We'll be back at it, I suppose, after Ole Miss plays this game uh, this weekend. But uh, sure. what an exciting time, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. All right, sounds good, my man. All right, that is our show. If you made it to the end, I appreciate you making us a part of your day. Maybe you're listening on the way to Omaha. I don't know. Let a guy know where you're listening from. If you are, safe travels. Enjoy the trip. For everyone else, enjoy your weekend. Have a safe and happy weekend. Don't do anything I wouldn't do or do. I don't know. You're all adults out there. I can't control you. But uh, enjoy your weekend. And Colin and I will be back at it uh, at some point uh, after game one. So we'll have a podcast uh, in between game one and game two. I'd imagine some form may get chased to pinch hit. We'll kind of play it by ear. But we will uh, catch you on Sunday. Thanks for listening again. Again, check out my buddy at Matt Mims Insurance. Glad to have him on board and sponsoring the show. If you have a business that wants to, uh, wants to sponsor the show, I'll gladly fumble through an ad read for you. So that being said, have a wonderful weekend. We'll catch you on Sunday.